mass, oftentimes my dad would turn on the TV and flip it to one of the different evangelical or um, Christian channels where they'd have a preacher speaking about the gospel or some kind of scripture. And remember one time, one of these, these preachers was preaching about the prosperity gospel, the prosperity of getting something um, with our relationship with God. Remember it, I think it was maybe, you know, middle school, and I started thinking about this, and I was listening to this preacher, and he said, you just got to pray. Just pray real hard, and you'll get whatever you want. God, of course, is going to give it to you because he wants you to be happy. You just got to pray hard and be really holy, and you'll be fine. You just got to pray. I was like, oh, just got to pray. All right. So I was a kid, and there was plenty of things that I wanted. Uh, I don't know, skateboards, video games toys, whatever it was. And I said, well, I'm just going to start praying really hard. And I did. Started praying. I tried to be a little more obedient to my parents. I'm sure they liked that. Uh, I started, you know, being more holy, doing acts of charity, being really nice. And I realized, you know, after a while, uh, something happened. Or rather, nothing happened. I didn't get squat. That's not to say that, you know, my life was bad or anything, but nothing really changed. I didn't get the skateboards. I didn't get my video games. And I was kind of disappointed. And I started thinking about it. And I said, there's something missing here. I'm like, well, maybe I'm just not holy enough. According to this logic, I'm not praying hard enough. And, you know, I prayed a little harder. And then I kind of gave up on that. Not give up on prayer, but like praying to try and get something. Um, and I kind of misunderstood, I think, the purpose of prayer. That purpose of seeking that prosperity in the gospel. But the prosperity gospel message is, oh, if we'll... If you're a good Christian, you believe in Christ, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to receive financial and material wealth. But then I realized after many years of kind of reflecting on that, seeking that missing puzzle piece, that that is not what we are promised in our faith. What we are promised is Christ on the cross, the symbol of love. This is our prosperity. And it may seem, looking at it, um, a little bizarre at first, especially for those on the outside of the faith, wondering how can this extreme act of suffering and violence, this image of a man suffering on the cross, how can that be our joy? How can that be our prosperity? And that's not to say that when we pray to the Lord, he doesn't answer our prayers, because uh, he, he does. But he doesn't always do it in our time. He doesn't always do it in the way we expect. But the thing that endures, the thing that uh, sustains us in faith is this joy of the cross, this paradoxical joy, this bizarre joy. And that is that joy in knowing in faith of the insurance of God's love for us. That Jesus died on the cross for us. That the Lord offered his beloved son on the cross for our sake. We see this uh, prefaced in uh, the Old Testament in what's called the Binding of Isaac. Where Abraham offers or is about to offer his son in sacrifice out of faith. And it's, if you think about it, especially as parents, uh, what that means, that he was asked to give up his only son in sacrifice to God in faith. Now, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thought experiment thinking about that. Would I be able to do this? Um, that's not important. What's important is to see the severity, the gravity of this action, the gravity of this sacrifice, giving up his beloved son, Abraham, his only son, his only descendant. But he's willing to do it in faith, and offer up his pure, spotless son to the Lord. Now we see this later on in the crucifixion as well. We see this, instead of uh, Abraham doing it out of faith, we see it 
as the Father, the the Heavenly Father, offering His Son on the cross. His Son who uh, was given nothing. All of us, that anything we give to the Lord is basically re-gifting because even our very existence, our very being, is a gift from God. For us to offer anything in sacrifice is kind of just giving it back to the Lord. But for Jesus, He was truly offered to the Lord. But He was offered as the Son, the sacrificial victim, the Paschal Lamb, to God as a spotless victim. So that he could, one, repair that damage done from the first sin and from the sinfulness that entered into the world. And two, to elevate our very nature as beloved children, sons and daughters of God. So we see this this beautiful act of God's love for us in offering his beloved son. I think this can be made more evident in kind of realizing what this means as the son being offered, Jesus Christ himself. We look to the transfiguration, and it's interesting to kind of put ourselves in the scene of the transfiguration and to kind of imagine what the other apostles were doing. They probably weren't expecting this to happen, and it just happened like that. There we go. We got Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets right there with Jesus glorified, showing his divine nature in a very real and magnificent way. And for them to just kind of see it like that, whoa. And of course, you know, James and John are probably silent and awed. It says that they were uh, terrified. And then, of course, Peter, I don't know why. <laughs> We've got to love Peter. He's like, well, you know, let's set up camp. You know, we're going to hang out around a sleepover with Moses and Elijah and the Son of God. Um, but for them to see that, to hear um, that voice, to hear, this is my son, my beloved son, listen to him, which echoes the words uh, spoken by the Father at the baptism. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now it is firmly established who Jesus is in the eyes, at least of these three, but also for us who, who hear this gospel, who read this gospel, that this is the beloved Son, the Son of God. So what does this mean for us in, in our time, in our preparation in this, this season of Lent? As we look to ourselves and our own relationship with God, our own faults and weaknesses, and we desire to, to grow in that relationship. Um, even in the midst of the darkness of our world, that there is a lot of darkness, there's a lot of uh, frustration, there's a lot of anxiety in our world. There's a lot of reasons to basically give up and to, to say the prosperity of the true gospel doesn't exist, this joy doesn't exist. If we put our faith in the things of the world, if we seek our affirmations, our joy and happiness in the things of the world that at one day will fail and crumble away. Instead, I propose, as we are called to, by, by the prophets, by the apostles, by the many saints, by the scripture itself, to seek the Lord. Seek that joy, the fact that God loves us so much that he offered his beloved son on the cross. He loves us so much that he gave up what was most precious to him for our sake. Not only to, again, repair this relationship, but to elevate us, to adopt us into this divine family. So I think there's a couple questions worth asking as we continue on in this Lenten season. One, where do I seek happiness? Do I seek it in the things of the world? Do I seek it in the affirmations of other people? Do I seek it in my own success or, or fame? Or do I seek it in the Lord? Do I seek it in this sacrifice of the Mass, my very faith, this, this faith that sustains me every day? Two, do I desire to know the true joy of the Gospel the Lord's love for me? Do I make myself vulnerable enough to be loved, weak enough to be loved? Am I able to allow the Lord into my heart? Do I reflect on this reality of God's love for me? Do I really accept that fact that he actually died on the cross for me, 
not generically, not in a superhero way like, you know, Superman or Batman or whatever, but as Jesus, as the beloved son, knowing me, knowing my heart, died for me personally. And finally, how am I called to live out this joy even in the midst of suffering? How am I called to live out this joy even when I'm not happy? even when things seem to be crumbling around me? How do I cling to my faith and to the joy and this reality that I am beloved? And how do I emulate and share this joy with others? How do I live this out in charity, my desire to bring others to the Lord and to represent the Lord in my life and everything that I do? Reflecting on these questions and reflecting on this beautiful reality of God's love for us, may we go forward in this time of Lent in desiring to and practicing and working towards a deeper and greater relationship with our Lord. Amen.